Welcome back to the Jordan Phoenix Show. Thank you again for being here. My guest today, very exciting, all the way from Los Angeles, Patrick Lawrence. Hello. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you. So it's cool that I was basically, you reached out to me and you're like, hey man, I got this uh, this project I want to promote, um, can I do your podcast? And I was like, yeah, man, but I'm not doing that uh, Zoom shit. You were like, well, I guess I'm fucking driving to St. Louis. So I appreciate that. How long did it take you? It took you like three or four days driving here to do this? We did uh, two days this, this time. I'm usually a straight through driver. No, you don't need to sleep. You yeah, just- <laughs> but I'm not, uh, you know, tomorrow I turn 36. I can't handle that anymore. And so, yeah, we, we added a stop in Albuquerque this time around. Oh, that's fun. That's cool that uh, you come in to do my show co- sort of coincided with your birthday. I guess that works out that you guys can be here in St. Louis for your birthday too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, th- I felt like uh, last year was kind of a 35 should have been a little bit of a bigger birthday. And I was kind of low key and uh, it kind of felt like that just set the whole year off on the wrong foot. So, Oh, you mean that 2020 is your fault? You <laughs> fucking, <laughs> I did it. Sorry guys. I did it. You got to give a uh, yeah, birthday, uh, respect you know it's like one of the only things we have left as old people is having good birthday parties right and i find out there you know you know people in la yeah uh i don't know if you can necessarily consider all of them your friends the ones i consider friends are the people who i've known from st louis Ooh, yeah that's yeah because everybody's kind of a transplant anyway yeah do you is it weird when you meet somebody who's like no i actually grew up here you like oh it is because almost everybody always starts the conversation with where are you from Oh, like where did you go to high school here? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, where did you go to high school? Melville. Oh, oh, look at you. Yeah. I can't, well, I can't remember because you hung out with a lot of the Lindbergh guys. Yeah. I'm from Lindbergh. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if I know anybody. Tell me somebody that I know from Melville. You know, kind of the people Uh, that I know that you know. uh, Chuck Krause. Okay. You know? Um, And, uh, oh, I can't think of anybody else that. That's fine. He's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, and then we had a, a rivalry going with the Oakville people. So, That's who uh, I know. Right. I, I would always put you guys all in like the South bucket. I'm like, right. eh, it's a, you know, but then I think about it. I'm like, well, I only really knew Oakville people. Right. But the, by that, I only knew like two people from yeah, Oakville. Yeah. The, 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 all the guys in blinded black, I think most of them were from Oakville Yeah, and Chuck who was in blinded black. He was from Melville. Melville. Okay. We met in Spanish class. It was my junior year and he was a freshman and I had, uh, I had taken two years of French and decided French wasn't my thing anymore. So junior year, I, I decided to take Spanish class, and that's how I met Chuck. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. Do you know any foreign languages? I know like four words th- that I remember from taking foreign language classes in high school. Yeah, the only thing I remember of French is I know how to say the ABCs in French because there was a song that went along yeah, with it. Yeah, I feel it. like I could too, yeah. And uh, But I know enough Spanish to be dangerous, especially especially out in LA. Right. Um, and I can actually pick up on something, even though I can't, I can't speak it. Like I can't have a conversation with you. Yeah. You but can hear I, people talking shit on you. I know what people are saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's actually a reason why I decided to never learn a language is cause I hear that the thing that you have to do is like be immersed. Like you could like move someplace and like live there for like two months and like, you can't like speak it, but like you could get around, you know, you yeah. could speak some stuff. And I just feel like St. Louis is just like the fucking, um, like a fortress of not speaking any other language you know, like <laughs> there's, 
you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess yeah. I could, if I worked in a kitchen, you know, like, um, you could definitely learn some Spanish there. Maybe if I worked at like, a. uh, I don't know where it speaks French nowhere. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to, you know, out in LA, you know, there's this great mixture of just everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's little Tokyo, there's Koreatown, there's little Armenia, there's, um, there's a Chinatown, there's, uh, you know, you have your, uh, obviously there's a, a big Latino population there. So you get sort of a lot of different cultures. Mm. And I would say that the one, you know, you're probably, you know, as I think it's like, if you're living in Glendale, there's a lot of Armenian culture there. Whereas if you're Glendale, uh, Missouri, (laughs) yeah, in Glendale, California, you're getting a lot more Armenian culture there. Whereas where I live in Silver Lake Echo Park area, uh, was, previously a lot of Latino inhabitants that have now unfortunately been pushed out uh, uh, and now uh, white gentrifiers like you. Exactly. Well, no, <laughs> I'm not pushing anybody out. I'm not taking any rent that's too high, but yeah. there's a lot of, <laughs> believe me, I sit there and I look around and I, and I look at an apartment that a month ago was probably $1,500 a month. They kicked the family out and now uh, did a tiny bit of rehab to it and are now charging $3,000 a month. Capitalism, baby. Right. It's the way of the world. And, and Fuck the, your life. And the shame of it is, is that people pay for it. And, right. And that's what makes it hard is that people will come in and they will spend that money. Yeah, you want to be like, hey, everybody, if we just hold strong, right. we can get these prices down. And somebody's like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. They're like, no, I'm going to go ahead and sign that lease. Right. And and, and I'm I'm a purist at heart, right? Like I, when I moved there, I've been in LA for five and a half years. When I moved, I I moved into Echo Park and it was a very, it had such a cool vibe to it, you know, because it wasn't super hipsterish yet. Yes, a lot of white people were moving in, but it still had the culture to it. Yeah. Now it's slowly becoming a strip mall. Oh. And it's a hard thing to explain over a podcast because you'd have to see it. You're on the record saying you don't like strip malls? (laughs) Right. Okay. But it's really like they take all the all the personality of the neighborhood and yeah. turn it into a shoe palace and you right. know and a couple like vegan restaurants where it used to be like really cool hip Mexican restaurants and uh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Um but you know, we'll all be dead soon, so it's fine. Let's enjoy it while you can. Yeah, it's weird. You kind of, kind of really. Oh, you know what? I should probably uh, introduce you <laughs> what you do. Why, why uh, am I here? Yeah. yeah um, what? Well, it's hard for me to really give um, you the right introduction um, because I really haven't talked to you in a while. But um, I'll just introduce you from what I remember. Uh, most importantly, editor, big time editor, Hollywood editor. Is that the main gig? That's what pays my bills. Okay. Well, okay. All right. Um, I've known you as director, Patrick Lawrence director. We yeah. kind of had a quick conversation about this. Um, and then you probably, well, we could, t- we could, let, let's do a quick, like other things that you're also doing, but basically you're like, you're like the movie dude. You're the dude that got out of St. Louis to me. You're like the guy who like, no, oh, he's going to go to Los Angeles. I'll see you in a year, bud. And, but you didn't like you did, you stayed there and like you're killing it and you've worked on like uh Netflix series and you got shit into Sundance and um, you have, uh, you know, just a ton of great shit going on. So let's just, let's do like a hype around of like some of the coolest shit that, um, oh man, which by the way, I feel like I, tr- I tried to IMDB you mm-hmm. no love on I- IMDB. 
Oh, you must have been looking at the wrong thing. Okay, good, good. Because I, I think got, I've got a huge. Yeah, I, a huge I, I searched, I searched, I searched, and I feel like I had seen it before, and yeah. I, I figured that you got canceled or something, and they were like, just fucking oh, take. <laughs> no, that's not a funny <laughs> joke right now. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you know, to be honest, I don't really prepare for these things. So let's just talk about um, some of the coolest shit that you've done in the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So- Lightning round though. Spit them out. Man, all right. Um, my, my big my big thing right now is uh, bonding on Netflix. Season two will be out this fall. Uh, season one came out last year. Uh, I edited that series. I did the entire of season one. And what is that? Like a drama? It is a no. It's a comedy show. Really? Uh, yeah, but it's it's short form. So the, every episode is less than twenty minutes long. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. So you can pretty much watch the entire series in the length of a film. Of a feature film. Okay, I want to dig into that, but just keep going, and then we'll go back to bonding because I'm interested. <laughs> uh, in that. I've also got uh, Scare Me, which is a horror comedy film that'll be out on Shutter later this year. Mm. Uh, in the same realm, a film called Clara's Ghost, which is on Amazon and iTunes. You can find that. That uh, that was your big. I remember that when that happened. I was like, "Damn, son!" Like I feel like you were pushing that a lot. Yeah, and- both of those films, both Scare Me and Clara's Ghost, were in Sundance. Uh, 2018, 2020. Uh, I've had six films in Sundance now. Damn. Um, I've got, uh, those are like my big heavy hitters, but I do, I I do a lot of independent films, a lot of stuff that like goes to uh, film festivals and then they eventually land on like Amazon. Um, Stacking those laurels over there. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, yeah, referring like prior to that, doing a lot of directing uh, a lot of music videos. Love the music videos. Those are I, every time I would see one of yours, I'm like, "Yep, there he is, just killing it." Probably uh, making no money, but no, just no, like no. me. No, and I and I got away from that for a bit, and I can I can talk for days about that, but I got away from that for a bit because um, I just got consumed by other things. Yeah, and trying to get back on track with that again. Oh, you mean life? Life yeah. took a turn for <laughs> exactly. yeah. Um, but that, and then prior to that, uh, I spent 10 years of my life playing music and playing in the band Nothing Still. And, Shout out to uh, Nothing Still. We are, we are currently writing new music um, and working on that and hoping to have Shit. something out before the end of the summer. Bro, Emilio. Just saw him the other day. The singer of your old band <laughs> yeah. and current band. It, didn't he like have like a chart topping? He, he had a number one <laughs> billboard dance uh dance charts i think is what it was um but yeah he legit we 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 talk about this all the time with him because one of the big things i learned early on yeah. is that you have to exploit uh <laughs> the, the whatever the minuscule um bragging thing that you've got you, yeah. you have to do it because nobody can take that away from you first of all yep and second of all um it's fleeting so it's like whatever it is it, the way that it was taught to me was that we had played uh warp tour in atlanta georgia and we played on the shittiest oh, i'm sorry can i curse yeah fuck yeah <laughs> uh we played the shittiest of tents on the uh armpit yeah. of this parking lot at warp tour but nobody to- needs to know that shit but nobody just, needs yeah. to know that. They just need to know you played Warp Tour. Yeah. And so that was the thing. So so I'm always pushing, you know, Emilio and you have to exploit that because mm-hmm. because nobody can take that away from you. You it, it's his um his DJ group, or I shouldn't say he'll kill me for saying that. Um Serbsican is the name of the group. 
uh, and they did a dance remix, uh, and it hit number one on Billboard. So wild. I mean, who else do I know that I can say that? Dude, I know, I, right? You no, know? it's also interesting because uh, I feel like he's not living on a yacht, right? Um, I don't he, he did just get a really nice place out in Newtown, St. Charles. So shout out to that. Oh, shout out to Newtown. Um, Newtown is a strange name. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that like just like oh yeah like. You're in a band with a dude that had a number one billboard chart. Like, mm-hmm. it's wild. It just um, reaffirms to me that nothing is special really is what it does, um, which I know a lot of people probably think the opposite thing, you know? But I'm like, yeah, dude, every special accolade could just be, like, gotten by, like, a friend of yours, you know? Like, yeah. nothing really fucking matters. It's just like, you know? Yeah, it's, you know. Not taking away that it's a huge accomplishment no. for him. But, you know, no, I'm like, absolutely not. if somebody I know can do it, then it's not that special. Hey, this is what I'll say that, like, um, the fact that I'm here right now that you want to talk to me. Yeah. Sort of has that uh, reaffirmation that it's like, oh, I've, I'm doing something worth talking about. Yes. Because because unfortunately, the the industry, the world, it beats you down. Yeah, and it, and no matter what you see on somebody's Facebook page, or you know, I'll just talk about myself. Like whatever you see me posting about, or you're like, oh, here comes Patrick Lawrence bragging again. Yeah, it's like my life isn't easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those things that I'm talking about, those are the things that are special to me. Those are the things that I'm like, oh, I had a short film on Criterion Channel last month. Right. Like, who else could say that? Right. You know, that's incredible. So, yeah. um. You know, those are the things that it's like I want people to know about. And I'm sorry if, you know, you're bored by being inundated by all the things that I'm posting on Facebook about it. But like, those are the things that make, those are the things that remind me that I'm doing something right. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the time, the anxiety is taking over. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah. So what, so to what you're saying that those little things, they can be achieved, right? Like yeah. nothing is unachievable in this world, you know? And, right. and, and for me, it's like, oh man, I'd love to have an Oscar someday or, of course. or I mean, actually in the last year, it's been like, I started knowing more and more people who were nominated for an Emmy or. And, and it becomes like possible for, you're like, I yes. know people, why the fuck am I not getting That's nominated? exactly it. I'd yeah. say like two years ago on the Emmys was the first time like I knew maybe like less than five people who were on mm. the, who were either nominated or involved with or knew somebody. So you don't feel bad that you're like, ah, I mean, you know, it's not really my world, but all of a sudden you're going, Oh, this thing that you've been watching <clears throat> your entire life that felt like there was no way you'd ever be able to get it. Yeah. All of a sudden, like you're in the hallway and you're outside the door. Yeah. And okay. Now I have no doubt that you eventually will get an Emmy and an Oscar and a Grammy. Well, I appreciate that. All I that shit. I don't have that confidence in myself, but no, I dude. Well, if you, I mean, you know, barring like the world ends or you decide to like become a furniture craftsman or something like, which is possible. You're young enough like that and good enough. And like, also like everything that you're doing is like at that trajectory that you'll get there. And I guess my point is um, when you do get there, the only thing that's going to make that feel special for you, because you'll get there and you'll be like, yeah, everybody's like this. Yeah, I'm of course, like long overdue. Like I deserve this shit. Uh, not that exciting. But then the only way that you'll be able to feel good about it is by looking at all the people around you that don't have one. Right. And you'll be like, yeah, like that's the weird thing that makes something special and also makes us 
as humans kind of like pieces of shit is like, it really does take like to appreciate something. You have to like stop and be in the moment. And like, I talk about this all the time, like tell your like younger self, like, Hey Patrick, like 18 year old Patrick, you know, like, dude, you have a fucking Emmy. You have a whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, so I don't have an Emmy, but what I do have is right now, probably the biggest thing that's on my resume is that I've been to Sundance six times. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like, and, and, and when I, when I'm down and out yeah, and I'm like, oh, I don't have any work or I, I'm really like, why am I living in LA? I want to go back to St. Louis or whatever. I do have to stop and remind myself that it's like, I know so many talented writer, director, filmmakers, whoever yeah. that haven't been to Sundance once. Right. And I've, I've had six films there. So, so that's the kind of thing where I go, okay, all right. Put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. You are doing something right. Yeah. Um, and But you don't wake up going like six times Sundance. Like, you know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? Like it's not in your, like, you're like, yeah, no right. big deal. Like, of course I've done that. Like right. that's like, I'm, I'm trying to get to that next thing, but it's interesting to hear you say that. Like, yeah, when you use that as the fuel for when you are feeling shitty, like we all do, like, dude, so many people, so many people that you look at, like you're talking about, um, like that Facebook sharing of like, oh, this person's killed. Like, you know, Probably prior to some people listening to this, they'd be like, oh, I just figured that he was just living the fucking life. And then you're like, right. oh, yeah, I'm struggling like everybody else. It's always interesting to hear that, like, no matter where you get in your career, there's always going to be the struggle. It's not going to equate to happiness. You know, it's like, yeah. it's interesting, you know? Yeah, and I think everybody does that to some sort of effect. Right. And, um, you know, last year I took probably good, uh, maybe five months or so off of just social media. Yeah. Oh, that's healthy. Yeah. And and I just, you know, I, I would just check in from time to time. But the funny thing was, is that when I would post something, I would just see this like negative storm of feedback. And then I'd be like, okay, well that was a mistake. I should have never. Really? Yeah. Give me an example. Well, I just won't. (laughs) (laughs) And I want names. Well, a lot of times when I would, I would just check in with something maybe hockey related, you know, so oh, yeah. there'd be some piece of hockey news and I would come in and be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden it would be like, ah, it'd be yeah. all this. And so I'd be like, okay, well, never mind. Like, that's why I was doing, not doing that. But I found that uh, how liberating it was not being like, like my life isn't necessarily bogged down by social media. Yeah. But I did find that like my anxiety was really high. Yeah. And I found that when I took everybody else's problems out of my own, yeah. that it was a relief or, yeah. and then at the same time, it's like, you don't feel the need to have to prove something or like, I don't have to post something today. Like I don't have to show people what's going on. <laughs> right. With me. And, um, that was a relief. And yeah. I found, and I just found it so freeing, um, that by the time I decided it was okay to go back to social media, I kind of knew how to handle it. Cause I, but, but, the funny thing is, is that the way that something like Facebook actually works is that people only see what you post if you're constantly posting. So I once know, you I take do. yourself off of the platform, yeah. now all of a sudden, if I do post something or you post something, because I've talked to you about this, it's like you post something, sometimes I don't even see it at all. I know. And it only gets, you only get to, here's what's weird. It's just, uh, okay, so you're talking about how you feel like you're just like constantly like, now ah, I'm doing this, look at me doing this, look at me doing this that is exacerbated by the fact that like, so if I post something and then it just randomly gets shown to you, like I'm not in your, like the 10% or 5% of my friends that see it and you see it and you're like, Oh, that's cool. And you click it and you watch it. 
Well, now Facebook's going to be like, oh, he's interested in that shit. So now they're going to start showing you the stuff that I'm yeah. doing. So then your feed is just going to be like, God, Jordan won't shut the fuck up about all this stuff. You know what I mean? And it's like, um, I think that's a real, a real thing that I guess like Facebook, I don't know, dude. I, I th I've thought about getting off, you know, of Facebook or Instagram um, many times, but um, it just feels necessary, you know? It is. And that's, that's the struggle because I could tell you that like, Hey, I think that for your own well being, yeah. Taking some time off would be good. Yeah. But if you are in an industry, right. And especially like just an industry that's so heavy on networking, making yourself mm -hmm. known, mm -hmm. it is so, you know, I'm not going to name names, but it is so easy to be forgotten about simply because you haven't posted anything in a while. And then all yeah. of a sudden somebody else can come in doing the exact same thing that you do. And then all of everybody's calling them. I know dude. And it's funny. You kind of said something that was kind of sweet. Um, that, uh, to me about like, basically you're like, Oh, I didn't know that you were doing this or uh, whatever. Like you've seen some of my stuff and you're like, Oh, when I'm in town, dude, we're shooting something together. Yeah. And it was like, um, you only said that because you saw something that I had posted or like, you're like, I didn't realize the level at which you were, you know what I mean? Like I would have no clue what you're doing except that you're, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's just making fucking music videos out in LA. And then you're like, no, nah, I'm going to Sundance bitch. Like I wouldn't know unless you talk about it. Right. No, and, a lot of know. times. So using that as an example, like what I would do is if I got hit up to do a music video, I would immediately think about people who I've worked with or people mm -hmm. who are in my circle or whatever and reach out to them and then, Oh, they're not available. Well, then who's the next person. And then, and then the funny thing was, is that uh, because I hadn't seen some of your stuff so frequently and I'd seen the story that your stuff that you did yeah, and it was fantastic. And then you sent me this clip a few weeks ago and it was fantastic. And I was like, you need to be the guy that I talk to from now on. Like, yeah. Not worrying about all. I didn't want to out you as saying that, but yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly the thing. It's like I, I, there's a there's a lot of struggles that come with that, and we can talk about this if you want. But, but you, um, but yeah, you, sometimes you get bogged down by the money and the budget and the whatever, and then you start kind of thinking within certain guidelines. Oh yeah. or you know barriers, and then you know, how can I pull this off for this? And you only have so much bandwidth in your head to think about shit. Right. So it's like trying to think of like working with new people is like, I got to save my brain for the yeah. other fucking million problems I'm going to have with this right. production. Oh, and it's so tough too, because especially when you're working with people that you know and you can trust that it's like when you're trying to take on somebody new, you really are, you're, you're, the project is sort of like at their, um, you know, it could all fall apart, you know? Yeah. Like they could be the weak, um, link in the armor that exactly, like, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because you won't grow unless you take those chances, but, um, or you won't grow as fast, but you also could epically fail. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely dealing with that myself. Like I've got this little team, oh, that's my phone. Um, <laughs> this like little team of dudes, um, in St. Louis, which obviously like the St. Louis market is so tiny for, you know, professionals. It's interesting. Like here, um, I can never flex like, <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to work with me, I'll just get somebody else. There's a fucking line out the door of people looking to do this work. Sure. Whereas I feel like in LA, there's a lot of people looking to do work. Um, maybe they expect to get paid real you, wages though. Yeah. Uh, so here's like, okay. So when I was here, uh, when we first, and obviously we go back to the music days, but oh, yeah. when we started kind of like branching out outside of music and if you and I were kind of both like looking for like, 
where's our career move at the same time. Did you get into like film and editing because of the band? No, actually I started, uh, when I, I graduated high school in 2002 and when I started going to college, I wanted to, I went to Webster university for a couple blocks away from here. Yeah. And, uh, we, uh, or I wanted to go to be a director and what I found was everybody else wanted to be a director too. Mm. And, you know, I've always been, I've always been a creative person. Uh, I've always been artistic, you know, I've either drawing or whatever, I'd stay dreaming. I'd always, always, I'd sit in class and think about like what an live action X-Men movie would look like, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so when it was, when I got to high school and I had to start making decisions about what it was I wanted to do with my life, it, nothing was kind of satisfying. And so I just knew that like, hey, I love movies. But there was a time where you were going to be a drummer in a fucking rock band. Like you yeah, had oh that yeah. delusion we, still already, like me, right? Like yeah, I was already, I'm going to be a professional musician. Yeah, I started, I, I, the first band I played in, we were playing shows and I was 15. Yeah. So I was playing in clubs here in St. Louis at 15. Yeah. And, and uh, that only lasted about a year and a half before it fell apart. And I was starting to kind of put together um, the roots of nothing still but it wasn't really taking off. And at the same time, I also had to, I was like a junior in high school and it was like, I had to make a decision about what it was I was going to do. And I decided that like, well, the other thing that I love is I really love movies. I really love Tim Burton. Damn. Um, you knew that young that you wanted to try to be a director or a. Yeah. Something? Wow. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so that was, so I started kind of feeling that and I ended up applying to Webster university. Um, but I got in on an art kind of like something, something art related. Mm -hmm. Like I went in, I had a portfolio review and everything and they let me in. And so it was kind of sort of under that guise that I slipped into the filmmaking program. So I was, so I was under an art scholarship, but taking all of these film classes. Gotcha. And so that's sort of where the groundwork was set. Yeah. But for me, the problem was, is that everybody wanted to be a director. And when you are, when for so much of your life, you are the most artistic person in the room. And now all <laughs> of a sudden you're surrounded by 20 yeah. of you. Yeah. It's really, really intimidating yeah. because everybody's got better ideas than you do. Yeah. And that, <laughs> every time I hang out with somebody whom I respect, I'm like, fuck, I'm a fucking fraud. <laughs> like everything yeah, I think is so stupid. That's exactly how it felt to me. And, and, and I got, I just always felt that like, no matter what I was trying to do, yeah, they were doing it better. Mm. And I got, <laughs> I got so kind of turned off by that. And then coincidentally at the same time, things with nothing still were starting to kind of take off and I got more distracted by that. So I eventually mm. dropped out of college and focused on that and then did the band solidly for about four or five years. And then right when it was like things were starting to happen with that, it fizzled out. Yeah. And I had to start making some big decisions again. So I had, um, I was really lucky that um, I had met uh, this guy, uh, Patrick Robleski, who just became a city councilman Whoa. here. Um, and he, he had the fire, he had the passion and we had hired him to shoot some videos for us. And we did a music video and 
he was kind of showing me how all the things that I learned in school were working in the real world. And that really helped me kind of go, okay, well, I could do this. So knowing that- How much older is he than you? I think we're very close in age. Okay. Um, How old are you? 33? 36. 36 tomorrow. (laughs) Um, But uh, I knew I could see that, that like, okay, there's the, because when I started going to college, it was still like you're shooting on film. You're right. You know, you'd have to have, you'd have to rent I know, a camera. such a bad time to be in the thing of like, yeah. hey, let's learn a bunch of shit that's going to be, uh, you know, not right. useful. But I had taken, I, around 2004, I had taken a video production course. Mm-hmm. So film production and video production were two separate things. Right, right. And I took this film pro- or video production. And video production was kind of like, uh, Exactly, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, videography. Yeah. Still. But like, <laughs> yeah. but um, the video production course was had all the thing everything i learned in that yeah was what was actually starting to happen so so basically what my what i do now yeah is a lot of stuff that i learned in a video production course in 2004 right because film is like yeah it's so digital and so so everything was like we learned how to shoot on dv tape and then digitize it and then edit it you know in a computer Whereas the film production courses, we were still shooting on film. We had to take it and sit on a steam back and cut it. And, and so, wow. and that's the other great thing too, is that so you've actually done that. That's yeah. So, so cool. Everything that, you know, you know, on an editing platform stems yeah. from very real linear editing that systems. Dude, I watched this whole thing that Adam uh, Russell made me watch. Uh, Cause he's such a Apple fanboy about final cut X and how they basically were like, Bro, were all these vestiges of I I had it in Premiere, um, but uh, they're like all these like things that we do are because of film, and like why the fuck are we still doing? Like, there's so much smarter ways to edit that aren't based on like, well, you have a piece of film and you have to cut it and then you have to splice it together here. Yeah, and like uh, I can't use Final Cut X, but like, uh, but it's kind of cool. You know, Apple's always pushing, like, to be like, why are we doing this this old way? We should, right. like, reinvent the way we think well, about that. And I know some people, like, uh, Fox, Foxtrot, Whiskey, Tango, Tango, Tango Whiskey, Fox, that uh-huh. thing with, uh, that was, like, what the first, like, real movie that they cut um, with Final Cut Ten, And uh, they said there was, like, a lot of really cool positive things about not being held down to that, like, old school way. Yeah, I will stuff. say with some, some, uh, so- <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I think I can say securely that uh, Final Cut 10, Final Cut X yeah. will, will never be an industry standard in well, filmmaking. Um, okay. I just like to be a contrarian. Yeah. I'm 100% on your side of this, but Adam made me watch this video yeah. and um, it was pretty cool. It was pretty like enlightening to hear because I always thought that these motherfuckers were just trying to like like widen it open for like kids to use, you know, right. which I think probably is actually part of it, but um, they make a pretty good, um, a pretty good case for like why the industry is kind of shitty. And like, it's, it's like, just like the idea of like, um, well, you have to like Patrick, you have to go to school and learn, um, learn film first, even though we don't use film and, and you got to know how to work in avid and like, basically it like closes the, uh, it's good for me and you now because we are like we're in the industry and we know what to do. And we're like, you can charge a lot of money cause you're like, Hey, uh, you know, but like when you offer a product like final cut, uh, 10, which again, I actually hate, but I'm just, you know, trying to be an asshole. Um, yeah. 
dude, when you offer it for $300, you know, yeah. like, um, instead of a thousand, like it just opens it up to like more people being able to use it and it democratizes it. And the quote unquote industry, which like you're actually firmly in, sure. they don't like that. Like the guys are like, Oh, you gotta, <laughs> you yeah, gotta no, no, pay no. some money. You gotta yeah. get in, you know, yeah, there are a lot of gatekeepers. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, people might be doing this or somebody might be showing you a video or whatever, but there are a lot of gatekeepers behind the scenes that will never right. let that happen. Well, they will, they'll just, they'll die. I mean, eventually, <laughs> eventually they'll die. You off. say never, like maybe in our lifetime, but like, I guess my point is like, um, I just thought this was beautiful. They're like, are you okay? Editors, you know, you're an editor uh -huh. and probably all your like editing co what's the word? Uh, people in the same, anyway, whatever that word is, um, uh, peers, mm -hmm. you're like, <laughs> yeah, fuck that program. It's so terrible. It's so terrible. But what's actually terrible is not what's terrible is that it's different. And, um, I could, when it actually came out, it was terrible, but they fixed a lot of stuff. But anyway, the point is, um, you're not, you are not a, what do you use avid mostly or premiere or you kind of do I, whatever see, you I go use. back and forth, but even that is frowned upon premiere. Where I know we're spending it's shitty. so yeah, yeah, much. Yeah. I know avid is like, right yeah, now. but, but here's the thing. It's like, Premiere, which I love to use, and yeah. I, I've been endorsed by Adobe a few times, and it's like, it is, you walk into a job, yeah. and they're like, do you cut on Avid or Premiere? And I say, well, actually, I cut on both. And they're like, ugh. Exactly. They would just rather you say I cut on Avid. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and I've lost jobs because of that, which makes no sense. Because I, I come in and say, I can do anything you want. Right. But, well, they want to know what your main thing. Like exactly, they want you yeah. to be like, of course I cut an avid, but if you have a smaller budget, I'm willing to work in. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 actually, the funny thing <laughs> is that uh, in 2018, when I did press for Adobe, uh, that Premiere was just starting to sort of like they were really heavy on like we need to show the features yeah. that were done in Premiere, and of course, like their big push was talking about. Um, like Gone Girl and and all yeah, those yeah, yeah. processes. It takes like a big dope film to be like, see, right. you can use us. They're like, they're they're like good. David Fincher uses and this yeah. is the way that he does it. And uh, and then in 2020, when I was there doing press for Adobe, No Film School had released this graph showing that of the feature films in Sundance in 2020, yeah, that uh, the majority of them, I think something like 70% of them had been cut on Premiere. And that's in two years. And that's because people don't have money, right? So they, like, you know what I mean? I like, think that you, that you can, um, so you can make an argument and say that, um, you know, there's DaVinci Resolve, which is free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can do, and DaVinci Resolve is sort of an in-between between, between uh -huh. yep. Final Cut and Premiere. Yeah. And I actually use it for a lot of things, but not actually cutting-wise. But I think for me, yeah, the big thing is that you can't, um, I would not solely learn one platform and yeah. say that like, well, hey, I know how to cut on Final Cut, so I'm going to go and be an editor in Hollywood because that's never going to happen. Right, right, right. No, I, I agree 100%. And I guess what, but what I was getting to is that um, you're not a, you're not an avid um, editor or a premier editor. You're an editor. I'm an editor. Yeah. And like they could invent a, a new. Tool. Yeah, exactly. And like. So many, so many people are like, uh, oh, I can't, I, I won't be able to edit if, um, you know, like going from Final Cut 7 to Final Cut 10. Mm -hmm. We can't do it. I can't edit it with this anymore. And it's like, 
you're just being lazy. Which, oh man, I had to. Um, I I had to make a uh, uh, for uh, tattoos and turnpikes, which is out right now. Uh, I had to make, <laughs> available on all pla- streaming platforms. <laughs> yeah, I did uh, these uh, Instagram promos. Yeah, and I was driving the other day and realized that I had made it 12 seconds too long because you can only have them a minute long on Instagram. Uh huh. And I'm in the car. I'm in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, and I'm like, "Fuck! How am I going to fix this?" <laughs> so I downloaded. Uh, I downloaded. I think. What was it like Premiere for yeah, yeah, yeah. iPhone? Uh-huh. Yep. And I was like, I have no idea how to use this, but I've got five minutes to figure it out. Oh, shit. And that's exactly it. It's like put anything in front of me yeah. and I will edit something for you. It doesn't right. matter if it's Final Cut, DaVinci, Premiere, Avid, iMovie, whatever. I know the basics. I know enough to be dangerous and that's all there is to it. And you just have to go through their user interface to like figure out like where is this like, where is the A yeah. thing or the B thing or exactly. the C button, exactly. you know? And I and I um I, I always said that the same way about cameras because I'm not a camera person. Yeah. I'm not a you know, and and uh you know, getting started, you had to sort of be a one man band <sighs> because you can't afford to hire a crew. And yeah. the moment that I got to the point where it's like I could hire somebody to do it for me, yeah, it was great because yeah, I just don't have but but I always said I was like, you put a camera in my hands, I know composition. Yeah. You know, you know how to yeah. I know focal lengths. Right. Like I know, you know, everything that I can to make it look good, but like, and you know how it needs to be edited so you can shoot it that certain way. I can get way. exactly what I need. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's always been my thing. But the, yeah, the struggle is that if you don't, um, you know, if you don't know everything, the way the industry works is that you never know what you're going to walk into. Mm. You never know if you're going to walk into a job and they'll say, uh, Hey, we strictly cut on final cut X here. But, right. but most of the time you're walking in, <laughs> yeah, you're not having that conversation. No, most that. of the time you're walking into a situation with producers who have been around for 15, 20 years or right. more. And they, they still think I get this a lot. <clears throat> Again, mm-hmm. this is inside baseball. Yeah. I'm sorry if you guys are listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about, but, but I still get this a lot where people will say, Oh, you own an avid at home because you used to come and have it installed <laughs> yeah. and it cost thousands yeah. of dollars. Right, right, right. And an avid system, right? And I go, yeah, no, it's just on my MacBook right there. Right, like hardware. Like you used to have yeah. to have like a cabinet installed. Like like you would have your kitchen cabinets installed. They'd be like, we're installing an avid system. Right. And you'd be like, there'd be like 28 people that would come to your house and yeah. Yeah, this season of bonding, I actually, I had to go, I had to, I had to go for a week and uh, it was a really bad situation, but I was like, Hey, no big deal. Put the dailies on a drive for me and I will take it. And it was like, you can edit on avid. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> and I cut all of my scenes and showed back up in the office and we're like, here you go. This is done. You know, yeah, like it's, wow. it's so, but there is that attitude of like, Oh wow. Or if you don't like, there's so many buzzwords that if you don't say mm. the certain thing the right way yeah. that it could be life or death, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Um, okay. Let's quickly, you brought bonding, which I wanted to, I put a pin in that a while ago. Um, so it's, uh, a comedy kind of comedic drama, dark, dark comedy. Yeah. Um, the, and where is it? Where can we watch it? At? It's on Netflix. On Netflix. Season okay, one's on yeah. Netflix. Season two will be out this fall. Okay. Uh, it's based on the, uh, the creator writer Doyle. He's an actor. Uh, you've probably seen him in the background of Barry. He plays in Barry's, uh, acting troupe. Okay. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a few big scenes in, in that show, but um, 
he actually based the show off of his real life experiences with a friend of his from high school who uh, became a dominatrix. And so he was oh, her assistant. I'm already excited. Yeah. So the show is based off of their real life experiences. And of course it's, it takes some liberties and uh, fuck dude. I've seen promos for this. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that's you. Oh, that's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the funny thing was, is that when we did the show, it was for a totally different platform. It was for, it was for a platform called black pills out of France. And, it, <laughs> and, and, and it was sort of the situation where Ryder had an idea was pitching as a feature. Yeah. And then this opportunity came up where it was like, Hey, this, this uh, company wants to make it as a TV show. Can you do it? And they had the rush to figure it out. Yeah. And so they did and it got made. And then, <clears throat> um, we went to, we went to can can had their first television, uh, section called yeah. can series. And we went there and then we had Outfest LA, uh, in 2018 and we won best television series. And so wow. That's got that really got the ball rolling. And so Black Pills ended up falling apart. And selling it off or yeah, and Netflix swooped in and got it. So and so this season, season two, was entirely under Netflix. And Netflix is surprisingly really chill to work for. I've heard from every everything that I listen to in the industry, they're just like they're like, Yeah, just I mean, we just yeah. Do, do whatever you do. If it sucks, we just won't show it. Yeah, I, I would have thought like it would be working for Big Brother or something, yeah. but they have been. I think that's why they're so cool. successful is because yeah. they're like, they're like, they know that people are freaks and they're weirdos and they like weird shit. And they're like, dude, we're like, we're the little brother. And, yeah. you know, so we're just going to make this weird shit. And like, if it's not, they're like, we'll find an audience for it. Like yeah. the computer runs Netflix, you know, they're like, <laughs> we just put the stuff in, we buy it up and let the computer serve it up to whoever. Yeah. They seem to be really into letting the creators create. And, yeah. and, and that's something that like, you really don't experience a lot because what you do experience most of the time are people who are all trying to put their fingers in the pot. Well, that's the old industry. See, this is why I'm pushing back on this idea of like, again, I don't like Final Cut, but I just feel like people will die or retire yeah. or is, and then, and then like there will be a time when we are like 50 and we are like the head, well, maybe not me, but you will be like a big time person like that everybody will look up to just because of your seniority and your age and your experience. And like whatever you say goes, goes, you know? And like, if you're like, I only use Avid, then everybody's gonna be like, fuck, I guess we're only using Avid. But if you're like, nah, I use Premiere too. You can use Premiere. Let's use Premiere. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's like that change of guard of like right. the guys that you're doing work for, they're like, dude, this is just the way that it is. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But like eventually, I just feel like right now I'm seeing all my, in our 20s, I felt like we were all just lucky to be doing anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, oh yeah, so so and so is like a bartender and I can get free drinks or you know what I mean? Like and <laughs> and now like everybody's like, oh, so and so's oh, Patrick's like <laughs> cutting movies for Sundance Film Festival Awards. Yeah. And you just go from like this like drummer in a local band to let you know what I mean? And like if you're not a dick, you still have all these friends, but now all these friends are like actually in like kind of like cool positions doing cool things. Yeah. And I feel like that just opens, I don't know, it's just it's just interesting. In our 30s, seeing all the cool shit, I'm, like, so excited. I mean, I'm not excited for our 40s at all. But at the same time, like, our 40s, like, what will you be doing? What will I be doing? What will uh, all these different people be doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Hey, that's that's a great thing to think about on the cusp of turning 36. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I do. And, 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 again, when we were talking about, like, accolades, like, what does it mean, you know? But I, I can look back and, you know, I, I don't think that – 
you know, I, I, I didn't have a music career on the level of the guys from story of the year. Yeah. But I, well, nobody in St. Louis did. So. No. And I think that like, I still had a fun time and there are still things that like we did that a lot of other people didn't get to do. Right. And that's something to look back on and say like, well, that was cool. You were in basically for those that don't know, nothing still reached that tier. It's basically the highest tier you can get before getting to story of the year tier. I think, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. There's nothing else you could have done except get signed by a major label and get the fuck out of here and go on tour paid for for you. Like, right. And, and I, and I, and, and uh, occasionally I talk about this, that there was a point where we were being, um, the manager of Flyleaf was shopping us around. Yep. And it was like, I just remember sitting on the floor in our bass player's bedroom thinking like everything's about to change. (laughs) Yeah. And then it didn't. Yep. And it was, it was like, it was like, it, it was, it was that fast. It was like, you guys got this song, Magnum yeah. Girl. And it was like, this is going to be a fucking hit song. Yeah. I've got, I can't remember the record labels, but it was like, I got these labels and they're interested or whatever. And it's going to be a yes or no. Yep. And it was a no. Dude. So, you know, the story with last night's vice, my old band that was happening the same time as nothing still. Yeah. Basically the exact same thing. We, had gotten as big as you can get in St. Louis kind of, you know, like opening point fest and doing that kind of shit. And like, you're like the go-to for like the clubs when like a wall nation comes in town, they're like, get last night's vice to open, yeah. you know, which it's just funny every year it changes of like what, you know, what that band is, but we were that band for a moment. And, um, and we had interest from, from <clears throat> Beluga Heights, which was Jason Derulo's label. Um, and they had us, Showcase in LA at uh, the uh, Viper Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we opened for like Gary Busey's fucking this <laughs> while. Um, but anyway, yeah, like we had a showcase and we were like, we're getting fucking signed to a fucking real badass, like, you know, imprint of like a major. And then we got told yes um, by the chick that was like our handler and that our manager was talking with. And so we're like fucking celebrating. Dude, there was uh, Sierra. Remember Sierra? Yeah. Dude, she was there. She was like talking to me, kind of hitting on me. And like, you know, I was like, yeah, dude, this is it, baby. We're like, um, just networking with uh, Daryl from, uh, not, his name's not Daryl. Uh, what's his name? From The Office. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. Craig yeah. Robinson was there just hanging out, you know, LA life. Like, yeah. we're just like all cool, famous people are just hanging out at bars. Yeah. And uh, that's how it always is. I know, dude. I want to move. <laughs> there, there isn't white hipsters at every bar. Like, <laughs> I it's, know. it's just big celebrities. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But um, we got told yes, and then on the drive back, as we're celebrating, our manager called, and he was like, dude, that chick that said yes, she's she doesn't make the decisions there. She's just like, she's A&R, and she's also like the coffee girl and the office girl, you know? Yeah. They're like the actual owner of the label said it's a pass. Yeah. And it's just like, from that moment, it's like, oh, this band's over, you know? Like, we, we, we tried to stay, like, excited and, like, keep pushing, keep pushing. It, when I look back now, I'm like... That was it. That was the like nail where everybody that had been holding on and holding on and like pushing aside, you know, like our guitar player was like, uh, had a house. And I think like shortly after went through a divorce and like, dude, all crazy shit. And it's just like, if we would have gotten to that next level, that like story of the year level, or at least the, not to the level they, but you know, that next level of like, you're on a label you have, you know, um, I don't know. You just are like, fuck it. Like, I guess it's over. Like yeah. Magnum girl doesn't get picked up and you're like, all right, cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, in a lot of ways, you know, even, even the cool stuff I've done, like I kind of feel like my headstone's going to say 
always the bridesmaid. <laughs> like I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm in association with so many people that do kind of cross the line. Yeah. You know, I don't know if cross the line is the right word, but do kind of like get over the hump a little bit. Yeah. But I'm always just like right there on the like, hey. Well, what would that be for you? you? What would that be for you? What would the thing be? Man, I'll tell you, like, I'm right there right now where, um, you know, when I started 2020, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going into uh, another Sundance with two films. I've got I've got a Netflix series. Here comes the humble brag. Go ahead. Right, I need... I need to do something different this year. Mm. Like I can't continue living in my two bedroom apartment and, uh, you know, trying to say that like, this is working for me. Cause it's just like, it's sustainable, Yeah. but it's not like it, I, something needs to happen. You got to get a mansion and a pool. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, my big thing was like, Oh, well, I think this is a year. Like I finally have enough for agent credits, you know, mm. and like get, get an agent and like start getting big things. That story of the year tier of that's sort of it yeah exactly because they're they're out there and there are and there are also like a lot of editors that are sort of in my sphere that are doing those things they're doing them like like i can do like i'm talking right now and it's like some people might be like oh yeah i love bonding i watched that like that was great and then some people might be like i never saw that it didn't pop up in my algorithm right but then there are people, I'm not going to name names, but like there are people that I either, you know, turn down jobs and they get, or I lose jobs to or whatever. And it's like, they are consistently doing movies that everybody's heard of. Oh uh, yeah. 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 And I'm like, how is it that I'm getting the calls to do the jobs? Yeah. And I'm not doing that caliber of work. Like that's the, that's the stuff that's like, to me, it's like, that's the thing that I'm missing. And a lot of, uh, and, and, and this isn't knocking anybody I've worked with because I've worked with so many talented filmmakers, but the problem is, is the gatekeepers, right? You know, I'm, I, you know, one of the most talented directors I've worked with is named Jordan Firstman and only room for one Jordan. Go ahead. <laughs> and Jordan, uh, has written oh, some Jordan in- Firstman. <laughs> so he's like, I'm for what if I, I don't support this guy. Go ahead. The first man. I'll listen anyway. The first man. Yeah. No, but no, but Jordan Firstman has done some of or has written some of the best scripts that I've ever read and has some of the most creative um LGBTQ content that is really pushing the envelope and and he can't get it made anywhere. But you can really? but you turn on HBO and there's Euphoria and you're watching yeah. teenagers fuck each other. And it's like, uh, let's talk about how that. is that? <laughs> it's like, how does that get made? But you're looking at the stuff that he's writing and saying, well, that's too risky. Oh, I can't yeah. do that. Well, it's a gatekeeper, and right? Like it's just it's like a, somebody it's a, decides. It's a gatekeeper. Yeah. Somebody decides you can't do that. And and with Jordan, he's finding a lot of success during COVID times by being a TikTok personality. Oh, shit. And But but it's great for him because it's blown up his, yeah. uh, his uh, clout. And now... You know, we had a short film on Criterion Channel last month that he directed, and it was like all he had to do was like start sending messages out and be like, "Boom!" So it's like it's like a gatekeeper is like, "Uh, "Hey Jordan, I uh, I see your TikToks are pretty popular. I think we're willing to." That's exactly it. That's yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, so you do something that you've that some people are like, "Uh, "TikTok is not a value at all. Why are you wasting your time?" And it's like, "Well, because I'm trying to." It's like, "Oh wait, hey, you're somebody worth paying attention to." Yeah, but he's been making the same incredible work this entire time. Yeah, 
Uh, and that's the struggle that everybody's dealing with right now is that like, what is it that finally gets you out in the world? And that's the thing is that like, you know, for me, I'm like, Oh, I just want, I want to be on that level. Just like the directors I work with want to be on that level and they want yeah. their incredible works of film to be recognized. And, um, and yeah. And so this is definitely, this is definitely a strange period because you know, we don't know what's going on. Things are starting to happen again, but it I've might, heard in LA, they're starting to clamp like buttholes are tightening. I think already. they're going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, basically I had a conversation with an agency last week and it was not sounding good. Yeah. Damn. And so, and so it's sort of like, okay, well then I'll just go back to, you know, uh, keeping myself busy yeah. <laughs> and hoping that this passes and people are wearing masks, yeah. but they're not. I dude, have you been, Okay. Where you're staying, you're staying far, far out of the. So you drove through Texas, no masks. Oh, there was no nobody's been wearing masks. Uh, in uh, <clears throat> we were we were in New Mexico, Arizona, or New Mexico, yeah, that's um, same thing. Texas, Oklahoma, no and masks. for the most part here in Missouri, nobody's wearing masks. <laughs> Damn it! That may, <laughs> I feel like everywhere I go, people are wearing masks. Not everywhere, but like still in the minority are the people not wearing masks but i think that's just because i only go to like a few places and i i got like uh i've been working on these uh facial expressions with my eyes because that's all you can see you know i do like now like i do like a really cute like a smile with my eyes like in a like a little head tilt to be like hey i'm smiling right now mm -hmm. i also do like a, a fuck you eye you know <laughs> not i want to fuck you like a fuck you eye. Uh, you know it's it's real demonic and um i feel like those are really the only tools we have to let people know uh with a mask on that you don't uh, support their choice to not wear a mask. But yeah. I had a, uh, I had this great little inter encounter yesterday where uh, I went to mom's deli, which is my favorite spot here oh, in St. Louis. Shout out to moms. And uh, I was standing, I, I got there. There was one guy standing outside and there was a sign on the door that said they were only letting five people in at a time. So I stood behind him. Customer comes out, he goes in. Now I'm the guy standing outside the door. And yeah. these two guys come walking up without masks on on their lunch break yeah. and they're like, they're like, you in line? I was like, yeah, man, they're only letting five people in at a time. And they're like, oh, and they, I have my mask on, you know? Yeah. And they step back and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I just wish everybody would just go ahead and get sick already. So that way we can just get this over and done with. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I wish that, I mean, if you could say that everybody was going to get sick and nobody would die, I'd be like, let's go. Sure. And sure, I, but I can't. I can't do that. I've got a sixty-one-year-old mother who doesn't I have know, health insurance. Dude, I'm with like, you. I can't. I my can't wife's do that. pregnant right now. You can't yeah. shit in my house because uh, I don't want. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant by that yeah. text. I was like, wait, is it broken? Or is it like, <laughs> no, yeah, my kids and wife are in my house, and we're in the garage right now, about twenty feet apart. And I'm you like, don't want my if, California germs. If you got to pee or poo, you got to go to the <laughs> to the schnooks, you know. Um, yeah, it's re it's real. I, I'm, dude. I'm super freaked out by it. And I would probably be a lot less if, um, if my wife wasn't pregnant. Um, but yeah, I'm with people. I, I get it, dude. The, the, the damage that this shit has done to our economy is really, really bad. And like, um, I don't know, we will know in like 10 years, like if more people died from economic problems than from COVID, I, I don't think it will, but, but I, my heart goes out to those people, but it's like, yeah, but like, dude, what about like, not a lot of people with uh, that are in that high risk category are saying, fuck it. I just wish everybody would get sick. You know, it's yeah. people that aren't really worried about getting sick that are just wishing everybody would get sick, you know? So yeah. 
Um, dude, this guy that I know that um, that made this cool. Uh, I guess I can talk about it. I'll talk about it. It's on Facebook, so that it's yeah, it's public. Um, uh, Dan, Doctor Dan, the Pancake Man. Oh yeah. Um, he made this cool anthropomorpher, anthropomorpher, anthromancer uh, board game. That dude's a mad scientist, by the way. But uh, he made this board game, and I just saw him post on some shit that, like, he's... I don't know what this really means, but he got blocked on Facebook by the head artist for the game over some mask ideology. Mm -hmm. I had to, like, read that a couple times. And I'm like, so the guy that drew all the stuff that I'm assuming that he didn't just... They probably have some deal worked out. They got in a fight because I think Dan is on the side of you should be wearing a mask and the other guy is on the side of you shouldn't be wearing a fucking mask and they have like a falling out that might like super affect the launch of this game. I don't know. It's wild. It just seems like to me, like not a very controversial thing to say, like, Oh, turns out that if you put a piece of cloth over your face, you can cut COVID exposure by 70%. Exactly. I don't think it should be a controversial issue. It shouldn't be political either. But, I don't, you but know. everything that I think I don't think should be controversial. <laughs> and then there's the other side of the aisle is like, you know, honestly, the extremes in both the far left and the far right. I'm like, you guys are fucking insane. You know, yeah. why can't you guys all just be like me? But that's a problem. Like, well, I just assume that you're 33. Cause I just assume that everybody is, is me basically. You know? <laughs> um, so it's hard, you know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that we're, uh, it's going, it's, it's just affecting everything. And I don't even know, um, as things are getting worse and they're getting worse in California and they're getting worse in Georgia. And, and those are the hubs of where production is. Right. And it's really hard, even on a, um, even on an independent production, a film like Clara's ghost, we had 25 people working in a house. Right. You know, if one person got sick, we all got sick. Bro, so I did. I did a shoot for Stag, and we did. We had five people. It was basically like, how can we make these three spots for with as few people as possible? Which, like, real filmmakers, I think, would probably be really scared by that. But I was like, all right, let's go, baby. <laughs> I could do it with one. Uh, right. So we're like, um, you know, we had like I think three people on crew. Let me count one, two, three, four people on crew. Uh, the agency, like one representative from the agency that we like quarantine in the back of the thing one producer and and the client who was like popping in and out and i'm like dude this is still when like you think that like this is ebola going around you know what i mean like yeah. and um we got way closer than i was comfortable with even though we did everything by the book and like i just thought like you can make a movie you know six feet apart it's like you can't really do it you know yes, like yeah and like, um, I guess like it was cool because it was small. Everybody was like, um, it was, it was pretty wild that we were doing the production, honestly. Like I think we were the first production in Missouri to happen that we knew about, um, like during this thing. And so there, we felt like there's a lot of eyes on us and we like really took shit seriously. But like, I just was like, oh, this is like a paradigm shift for production for a while, you know, like. Um, they rewrote the spots to not have any, um, any talent in them because like that, like hair and makeup and like, obviously your talent is going to not have a mask on all those things. And like our producer had to like figure out insurance and like get, you know, and insurance companies don't know like what the added risk for COVID, uh, infectious disease coverage right. is. And 
just a lot of fucking shit that like, A, I'm like, well, I couldn't do this by myself. That's one thing I know, you know, you need those, you need the producer, you need, you know, all these different players. Um, anyway, I'm just rambling, but. Uh, no, but I think that that's what's going to happen in L.A., where um, they are already, they already milk you for everything you can. Yeah. Uh, but out, but now it's like I think that probably indie productions are, you know, just going out and shooting stuff with as little people as possible. Right. But now, then it's going to be like, well, the city of LA is going to have like, okay, not on top of your shooting permit. Right. You're also going to have to have some sort of like, you know, safety precaution or COVID precaution, whatever they're going to call it. That's like a new role, right? There's like somebody who's like, there's like a COVID officer or something. It's like, but those are the things it's like, that's what's going to, whatever your budget was, like, let's say it's a $30,000 budget. And then now all of a sudden you've got to, uh, you know, equate for that. Yeah. That's money that you're taking away from your crafty or your lighting budget or your talent or your whatever. And, and it, and it's it's not it's gonna make things it's either gonna make things harder or people are gonna figure out how to adapt to it. So yeah, and it's weird because like people are gonna have to kind of get on board. Like you're gonna have to be able to say like we can't do that. Why? Because it's unsafe. Why? Right. Because of fucking Corona, bro. Right. Like, and then you're probably gonna have some people that are gonna be like, I don't even believe that this thing is real. Yeah. You're fired. You know. And yeah. You're and I be just like, and 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 the the way around this is people TikTok. TikTok, exactly, yeah. Uh, the way around it is, I guess, people being vaccinated or, um, or you know, or herd immunity or whatever. But, but you know, now I'm reading yesterday that like then you've got the anti-vaxxers out there who just will not get the vaccine even if there is one. So, what do we do, bro? Also, okay, I'm a hundred percent hate anti-vaxxers. I think it's the worst thing ever. If you're an anti-vaxxer, go ahead and unsubscribe and unlike. Uh, you need. <laughs> You need to get your kid. It's just, you don't believe in science. That's, but that first batch of uh, Corona vaccine, I don't know if I'm going to take sure, it. <laughs> sure. No, no. I, yeah, I agree with you too. Um, you know, I'll, I'll cause I think it's political, dude. I think Trump's going to push some shit out. That's going to, he's going to be like, take this shit right now. We got to get people feeling good for the election. And then he's dude, it's just, it's just straight up Lysol. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. I'm yeah, no, absolutely. But, I, but in regards to the entertainment industry, if things are going to go back to normal, if there's any sort of normal, yeah, I don't think you really can until, right, until that happens because right. because we just it's so tough to even 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 in the editing bay, you know, it's great because I can work from home. Yep, but I can only work from home if people are out shooting something. <laughs> yeah, and if people aren't out shooting things, then yeah. I guess I'm like I'm a glorified like YouTube uh, vlog editor or something. I don't know. But one kind of cool thing is like um, if the whole industry is paused or has to change, right? Like people will create content. Yes. I mean, bro, people have phones that can shoot. I'm just seeing like, I'm seeing like kids in like, uh, like India and shit, like making these like, like great looking little shorts and stuff like with their phones, you know? And you're like, oh, like this shit's so democratized. And they're like interesting. And like, they, you know, they, they can like, anyway, you're going to have work. I think you just got to like, uh, I just might be doing some children's sh- unboxing videos for a while. For real. Yeah. yeah. No, but, but you'll actually, learn from it. You know what I mean? Like whatever the thing is that you do, you'll, you'll gain skills from that and it'll keep pushing you forward. Yeah. You know, I actually did take good use of this time because I was able to complete this series called tattoos and turnpikes that has been in the works for five years now. And 
I would not have had that availability if this hadn't happened because it was just sort of like the, we were victims of circumstance. You know, we had shot this show, couldn't get anybody to pick it up, and then the footage just sat around for a couple of years. And Is this the show that you, that you were originally like, hey, I want to come talk about this thing? Yes, exactly. Okay, let me give, <laughs> I got a synopsis um, for it. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited to see it. Okay, in the 23rd century, while colonizing new planets, high school kids are engaged uh, are encouraged to become citizens by joining the military. What they don't know is that they'll soon be engaged in a full-scale war against a planet of alien insects. The fight is on to ensure the safety of humanity. Sounds so cool. Is that Starship Troopers? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you called me on my bullshit. Damn it. All right, no, tell me the real, uh, tell me, tell me the real, what's the real, what's it about? No, basically what we did was, um, did you guys, as last night's vice, I can't remember, did you ever play the Ink Spot Block Party? We, uh, I don't think I did. I think that they might have after I quit. But Oh, okay. Well, so um, there's this great group of guys up in Troy, Missouri uh, at the Ink Spot Tattoo Parlor. Yeah. And it's owned by this guy named Big Dave. Big Dave. I know uh, Lux gets all our shit from Big yep, Dave, I think. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah Big Dave Canoy. And he is an entrepreneur through and through, and he had this idea for a show where basically, you know, you, you've got all these shows on TV, Miami Inc., L.A. Inc., uh, Ink Master, Tattoo Nightmares, all these things. And they just don't, they, they, they aren't based in reality on like what it's actually like in a tattoo parlor. And unfortunately, what happens from that is that you get viewers who think that, hey, I can just walk into a tattoo parlor <laughs> yeah. and get a full sleeve of a tattoo in six hours, and you can't, you know? And these shows, they're basically making it like, hey, you know, in six hours, you got to do all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, that takes days. That takes sessions to yeah. do. And Dave was sitting back and watching this and going, man, this is bullshit. And he was talking to a bunch of friends of his in the industry, and they were all saying the same thing. And, you know, there's – tattoos and motorcycles and music, they seem to all go hand in hand. Like everybody just yeah. kind of like lumps those things together. And, you know, in the late 2000s, there was a big boom on motorcycle shows, things like American Chopper. And sure. Stuff like that. And so, and so he was like, we need to do a show that really shows what, what the world is actually like when it comes to these two industries. What is a turnpike? Uh, turnpike is like an expressway. It's like a, that's a road uh, of some kind. Yeah. It's okay. like, okay. A, it's usually like a toll road. You okay. Know? Okay. 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 Um, but, um, so he came up with this concept and, and, uh, at the time I just moved out to LA. So I still had a little bit of clout here in St. Louis. And so my name came up and you know, I don't want to direct music videos forever. And I was like, <laughs> I want to, I want to make a TV show. That sounds cool. But the, yeah. the, the idea to me was that it was really cool to go and like, I've got a couple tattoos. Like I'd like to go and like, hear some stories from real people. And we were able to, the lineup of people that we had, I mean, number one at the top of the list was we have Jackie Gresham in New Orleans, who is not only the first licensed female tattoo artist in the country, she's the first licensed African-American tattoo artist in the country. You told me that, what, it, or maybe I saw that. What does that mean? She's the first black tattoo artist. Uh-huh. Ever. Probably not. I wouldn't say ever. Or to be licensed. To be licensed, to have her own shop, to, and. Like through the state, like goes through the pr proper channels. Exactly. Yeah. She. How is that? Is she like 180 years old? No. And that's, and that's the thing. It's like, she, she has really only been around for about, 
I mean, she's 71, I think, okay. but I, but, uh, I was close, but she, as a tattoo artist has really only been around for about 40 years or so. Wow. And so that's, that's the thing. It's like in the South, the way she explains is that in the South people, if, especially if you were, uh, a African-American, you would go and get your tattoos done very unprofessionally. Right, right, right. And so she was the first one who basically, you know, she got in with the right people. They helped set her up for success and she ran with it. And, and so she is sort of like, she is this milestone. You, if you go to new Orleans and you want to get a tattoo, you have to go to art accents and see her yeah. and she's still going. That's the funny wow. thing is that five years ago when we shot the show, actually I'm probably wrong. She was pushing 75 years ago. She's, she might be like 75 now. And, um, when we, when we shot the show, we were like, in five years, she might even not still be there. So here we are five years later, finally releasing the show. No, she's still going. Hell she's yeah. on Instagram. That's you know? <laughs> but, that, but it was like that. And then we had another guy in Oklahoma City called Cannibal Curtis. And, and in Oklahoma, tattoos were legal until 2006. Were illegal until 2006? Illegal, yeah. So he was running a tattoo parlor in the back of his karate dojo. <laughs> not currently, not currently. Yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah. That's what he. Had These to are the do. stories we can expect on exactly. tattoos and turnpikes. Yeah, and wow. so those are the things that, like, when it was being pitched to me, I was like, "Yeah, I want to know more about this." This and you is just cool. get to travel and like shoot these cool things in cool cities. We shot we we for twenty one days straight, wow. uh, three weeks. We went to seventeen cities, and we started from we started from Troy, Missouri, where the guys live. Yeah. And we went up to Iowa and then through Oklahoma, through Texas, and then around the whole South and then back up again. And did you shoot it? I, yes, I directed, I shot one. I was one of the cameras. Yeah. Um, and we had a very, very small crew. It was sure. very, you know, it was another one of those things where in this industry, things sound good on paper <laughs> and they are hard to convince. So when you, when you go to somebody and you say, Hey, I've got a concept for a show and it combines like, Hey, you've got tattoo shows and you've got motorcycle shows. I want to make a show that combines both of them. Right. And you would think, fuck yeah, show me the money. And, right. and instead they all go, yeah, I don't see it. Right. Or, or one of the, one of my favorite reactions we got was discovery network said, uh, yeah, travel log shows aren't selling right now. But literally every new every week, there's a new travel show. Right, 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 <laughs> so, right, right. So it was like we just could not get it off the ground except for just to go and do it ourselves. Wow. And then, and then we did it ourselves, and and then it was again. It was like, hey, here's the show. Yeah. You know, we had a really tight sizzle. It's like here's the show, and again, people are like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't get it. Damn. And so that went on for about a year or so until it was just like, well, it just sat on the shelf, and so, so we. Uh, so we finally got the ball rolling about a year ago. Because you're basically like, we're not going to spend all this time editing this thing if it doesn't have a home. We're trying to sell it with the sizzle. Yeah, and We've it's gone and out it, and already shot it. And it's hard to do too because it's hard to uh, it's hard to produce something uh, when there's there is no sort of like end inside or whatever. You know, it's a, it's <laughs> yeah. it really is. But but yeah. also like and there's also like when you don't have network money behind it or whatever. There's that aspect of it too. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I get um, it. And so we were able to finally figure out a way last year to start getting it done. And then with COVID happening, it was like the perfect storm. Because, Shout out to COVID. Because, <laughs> because it allowed me to focus 
and yeah. and and now it's like it's like a full time job, man. It's it really? really is like. Does it have a home? We, so what we did was we ended up releasing it on YouTube. Yeah, and it was sort of um, we're only midway through the run right now, but it's it's real. We've had a huge turn over the last week. Like our goal was, we just want to get it out there in the world. Sure, we think that there's an audience for this show. Yeah, and my hope was in in the same realm as some shows like um, High Maintenance on HBO. It's like, let's just release it for free, yeah. see if people like it, and then maybe somebody will have interest in it. Yeah, and they'll just, like, buy it and then put it on their platform, and then exactly. it'll just, like, yeah. Exactly. So <clears throat> so, uh, so we're on episode five now, and we have just been seeing growth and growth and growth. That's like beautiful. It's, it, it really, it really it started out, like, to the point where I was like, well, you know, if it gets 1,000 views, at least somebody saw it. Aww. And now we're pulling... 7,000 views a day. That's awesome. And so... Because you get into that little... It's fucked up, man. Like, there are real gatekeepers, and then there are, like, the algorithm gatekeepers. Yes. And they're like, once they see it trending, they're like, we'll start showing this to more people that are looking at tattoo videos or exactly, whatever. Exactly, You start yeah. getting that ball rolling. And yeah, Facebook, yeah. Facebook is the worst of all of them. Motherfuckers. Because, because Facebook, in the last year and a half since... Uh, well, not since the election, but because of the election... Uh, in the last year and a half, they've changed their algorithm so much that even though they promote small business or fan pages or whatever, yeah. they actually don't. No, fuck no. And, and the Tattoos and Turnpikes fan page itself has 9,000 fans, and at any given time, we're only getting, like, 50 likes. That's wild. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, when we were in a band... Bro. And, and we were posting stuff, everybody would Everybody. Yeah. I know. I know, but here's the thing. Facebook's for old people now. Like, yeah. And so it's like, uh, but a lot of people rely on that. That's a, that's, I know, but you can't say, you can't say, Hey, um, go to Vero and watch, watch this new clip of tattoos and turnpikes because people are going to go, what the hell is a Vero? I know. I know it's hard, but it's like, um, it's like, (sighs) yeah, I'm not ready to stop using Facebook. Um, I heavily rely on Instagram. But even Instagram is like kind of for old people now. And I'm like, I got to get on fucking TikTok. Do I have to do TikTok for real? Dude, Andrew Santino talks about this thing all the time. He's like, I have no, uh, a comedian that I like, he's like, I have no interest in doing TikTok. I'm not doing any of these things. And he had like one of his, I don't know, his manager or somebody around him was like, hey, it's just, you're fucking old now, dude. You're 30 something years old. Like, let's put it on this thing that all these kids are doing. We'll just put clips on there. So he's like, if you want to do that, that's fine. I'm not fucking with it. And it opened all his shit of like these like 18 year old kids, you know, 14-year-old kids being like, oh, who's Anderson? I've never yeah. heard of him. So it's like, yeah, I try to think. I'm I'm too lazy to do it, but uh, I'm trying to think of, like, how do we? How do I get onto these new platforms I think are fucking stupid that I would never use, but, like, they're the next thing where you're, you know what I mean? Anyway, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. But. No, 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 no. And, no, you're exactly right. But you also, you also deal with the threshold of, like, who, like, just getting people to go to YouTube and click subscribe is... I know. Insane. Like and subscribe. Go ahead and uh, click that like button for, yeah, I know, dude. It's yeah. like, it's. We've got, I mean, the the percentage, I was just looking at it yesterday and we've got like, we're, we're crushing views right now. Yeah. But it's like 70% of them are not subscribers. Because people don't, yeah, dude, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm really bad about it. I don't subscribe to anything. Right. I, dude, I listen to Joe Rogan show all the time. I just realized I'm not actually subscribed to his thing. Yeah. I'm subscribed to like a thousand other different podcasts and I'm just cause you're like, ah, I got another way to get to it. It right. shows up in my recently viewed it's, things. And it's you know. this weird double-edged sword yeah. where, where YouTube, 
yeah. will show you things that you want to watch. So they'll show you Joe Rogan. Right. Whether or not you're subscribed to it. Right. So but, like, why am I going to subscribe? But if you subscribe to it, that is the metric that they use to decide whether or not you're a successful show. Yep. So I, so I could like currently be getting thousands of views. Right. But I've only got 5,000 subscribers. So in their eyes, I'm not a successful show. I know, man. And, and another thing too is like reviews, you know, like I think on podcasts, like, uh, I have like a good list listenership, man, it's kind of fallen, but, um, uh, had a good listenership. Uh, and I was always like, you know, in, in like the that masked <laughs> content you were pushing out there, that propaganda. I, know. <laughs> I have a good, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause in my attempt to like, try to be like center, I think I just alienate, alienate the left and the right, you know, like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not woke enough for the left and I'm, I'm too woke for the right. Um, but, uh, um, I feel like, um, I would have to like just beg people like, dude, could you please like leave a review? Click that five star thing. Say like Jordan is an asshole. Like just put some words down because like that's a huge thing if you're going to like pitch like trying to get a sponsorship is like not only how many views do you have, but how many reviews do you have? Yeah. How many five? So many little things that like your average listener is like you have to really beg them to do it and explain why it's important. Otherwise, they're like, bro, I'm, I, I have so much else going on in my life. I don't need to leave a review for your little podcast, you know, or yeah. subscribe for your little YouTube show. You know, it's hard, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it's ever evolving too. So you got to stay ahead of it. Right. But then, and that, and that's the thing that I love is that you get those kids out there that like just really grasped onto it. <laughs> they could figure it out. Yeah. But yeah. And then you're constantly chasing it and trying to figure out like, Hey, I think I understand. Like that's how I approached it uh, two years ago nothing still was doing shows again. Yeah. And I was like, I know how to do a Facebook campaign. Yeah. But the problem was, is that they just six months prior done all this algorithm change. Right. And so here I was doing put, it the old put way. money and pushing things in the old way. And it was like not getting anywhere. There were so many people that were like, I didn't know you guys played a show. <laughs> like, no. how did you not know we played a show? I, I just know. punished you for two months with, with information. I know, dude, I think I saw, one thing about that show and then i went on your page and saw that you'd posted like a thousand things yeah i was like damn man for him to break through my facebook wall and me see one thing it took him a thousand tries yeah. like yeah so and we, we still get the same reaction with tattoos and turnpikes because i'm yeah. sitting here you know as I'm, my phone's blown up as i'm sitting here with all the instagram stuff but there are still people that are like Hey, wait! You're releasing this show, right? It's like, where have you been for the last right. the last few months as we've been pushing all this stuff out? We're five episodes in already. I know, man. That's uh, but it's kind of cool too because like after you guys are done with this run and whatever it has, like um, you're like, oh man, I wish like you could sell it to HBO or whoever, and like right. And I then, think you know it's like uh, this is whole new audience, you know. That's exactly what I'm hoping, and and I think that people are going to discover the show. Yeah, even if it sits for a couple more months or. From the show alone, I mean, you'll probably get a huge bump. I yeah, I think people are gonna people are gonna really uh, they're gonna they're gonna discover it in one way or another. But you know, we're hoping that um, you know the grassroots of it all yeah. will eventually you know pay off and a lot of word of mouth and something definitely seems to be going on right now. But it's really cool because these are all hardworking guys, you know, blue collar dudes that uh, you know struggle just like me and you, and they yeah. are they are out there proving that it's like, Hey, you want to have a TV show? We can go make a TV show. Yeah, dude. That's so fucking cool. So are you, 
done editing everything or do you still have to like edit new? You're like done. They're in the can. No, they're not like done, done. I mean, we're still like, we are, we are episode five that just came out on Monday. Like I was tweaking things Sunday morning. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So, so you're, so you're getting them done and then yeah, putting them up. I, I wish I could say that they're done and I just, all I have to do is press publish. Yeah. 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 But like there are still, there are things where it's like, Hey, we need to change out that. Or I'll give you a great example. Cause this is nuts. But like it, with, with all the things going on out there, uh, right now, uh, if we had released this show three years ago, I probably never would have caught this, but we shot in new Orleans and we shot this scene, not a scene, but we were just shooting B roll. Yeah. And we had done this shot, this really great shot of the four guys on the show. And they were standing on this, um, there's like this roundabout new Orleans with this giant pillar. And we were like, Oh, this is a great, great shot. Let's get this. And so it was in the cut. It was in the cut for a long time. And then with the black lives matter movement and all of these uh, statues being torn down, I'm, we're getting ready to launch this episode a couple weeks ago. And I'm looking at this thing going, Hey, hold on a second. I think I've seen that somewhere. <laughs> and I look it up and sure shit in new Orleans, it was this pillar. It was, it was this big roundabout in the middle of the city. And there was this big white, column pillar and at the tippy top of it i mean i don't know 100 200 feet in the air slaves now slaves forever it's a fucking robert e lee statue <laughs> oh my god and good we, save jesus and we shot this five years ago so somewhere between you know 2015 and now yeah. they tore the fucking thing right, down. right right and so here i was getting ready to launch this episode oh and i go god. hey hold on a second and, and it was totally, we don't, we're not from New Orleans. Yeah, we yeah, didn't, you we didn't know, know right. Robert E. Lee right, was right, up there. Right, we right. just took the shot. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that it's that, those kind of things where it's good to sort of have all eyes on it. Yeah. Even before it goes up. Yeah. To, yeah. Dude, I just heard that Mississippi uh, is taking the, uh, the Confederate flag out of their, uh, out of their state flag, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is incredible. And also I had no fucking clue that their state flag got a Confederate flag. <laughs> There's a lot of it. I mean, I, I am surprised I, when I, when I got home the other day uh, and I saw on the news all the protests going around with not only the statue of St. Louis, but that they're saying they want to change the name of St. Louis. And I was like, Oh no, what? Like I've been here. I've, I've lived here all of my life and I've never heard the stud, the stuff that they're saying about the <sighs> actual Louie that bro, you can't name anything any after anybody more than 50 years old. Right. Because every, that's my problem with the whole leftist movement of stuff is like, if we go back far enough in time, everybody was a piece of shit by yeah. today's standards. Yeah. And at some point, dude, I'm running into this problem and I got to wrap this uh, interview up. I love you so much. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, I've done some work and uh, for some companies or some places that like have uh, come out to like uh, have sexual predators that worked there, you know? And it's abhorrent and awful and disgusting, right? And then I'm saddled with this thing of like, uh, do I remove from the face of the earth having ever done any content for these places? Like the places, um, not all, but it seems like they're taking action to, they've kicked out these these guys, they're buying out or, or getting out of contracts with the ownership and they're, maybe going to reinvent themselves, you know, 
maybe weather the storm with new ownership, maybe not. I don't know, but it's like, damn, I was like really proud of some of those things. And yeah. like, are those, are those business names now tarnished and I'm never allowed to show it? Like, are, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's a weird thing of like, can't, I don't know. And I'm not saying like that I have made up my mind either way on it. I, I'm, I'm kind of just interested, but it, it's a weird thing of like, are we not allowed to watch? Are, I'm dude. a very, yeah. And I'll, I'll speak from personal experience on this too. We, in um, a couple years back, we shot a music video here in St. Louis and, um, and I was just looking for a location. I needed like a gymnasium location. Yeah. And some family members reached out to me and they said, hey, we've been taking our kids to this place. It's a really great karate dojo. And I think they would have the space that you need. And so I, they gave me the owner's contact info. And I reached out to him. He was a really nice guy. We set up a deal. I flew into St. Louis and we shot this music video for two days. And two days. And I got this weird vibe on the last day when I was going to going to tell him that we were packed up and leaving. I got this really weird vibe about the place and couldn't put my finger on it, but didn't think anything of it. Three months later, turns out that guy was running a sex trafficking thing. No. Yeah, out of out of the back of the school. It, he basically owned the church, and the gymnasium we were shooting in was connected to the church, and he was running this, like, sex trafficking scene. Did he have pizza there, too? Yes. Oh, fuck, I remember yeah. that story. And so, Damn. And so... Here I am, and I'm like, I've got this really great music video, yeah. but it's forever tainted by right. that experience. So yeah, it's definitely. What'd it, you do? Do you, do you like pull the music video from your whole no, life? No, because or? no, because the the video is the video. The video exists without that information. But it's like, yeah, but you. Know. But for myself and for the crew, people that now know all of that, yeah. it's like that's disappointing. But yeah, yeah it doesn't it, it doesn't take away. I mean, there, you know. I think it, it, it would be different if the music video was called Pizza Dojo. Like it would, yes. that would be hard. But when you have, if you're doing commercial content and it's for a business that's getting shut down for those reasons, that is tough. But you could always. Well, not, so like that, I'm even kind of like, I'm at peace with like, yeah, I don't need to show that stuff anymore. But like, there's one thing in particular, where like where one of these dudes is in one of the yeah, like, that's, that's cooler tough. things that I've done and like his face is in it for a second. And I mean, I had to take the content off of my website. Like uh, I actually had a, a potential client that was like uh, brought it to my attention. Cause I didn't even know it's like the first thing you see on my website. Yeah. And they were like, Hey, with everything going on, like uh, did you know that you have this dude on your website? And I was like, uh, no. And I go, you know, cause I don't look at my website very often. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. I, so I appreciate them telling me, but then I'm like, damn, like, does that mean that this particular spot, like I don't ever get to show again? Yeah. It might mean I, that, you know? Yeah. I think in, um, because it probably just should be said if anybody's actually listening, but like, I think <laughs> that like it, what's tough is that um, I think that over time, a lot of the stuff that we do now and that we think is okay, eventually will not be okay. Right. I think that like, even, even now as woke as we are all trying to be, I think that we will eventually look back 10 years from now and be like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have told everybody to fund the police or something like that. You yeah, know I mean? for sure. It's like there's going to be there's going to be things that we look back on and say, oh, that was a mistake. And I think that like um, the where we came, the 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 culture that we came out of. Yeah, uh, we came. you know, we were in the music industry at a point where 
you had had the, the groupies of the 70s and the lawlessness of the 80s. Right. And then it was like that mentality was passed down to us. Yeah. And then so where we These were- These are the rules of engagement. And if you do exactly. these things, you're a good person. You're, you're in like, a cool, band, I'll do this. And there yeah. are girls and there are this and and all of those things. It, it's, I look, I look back on it and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that wasn't great. I, that's not a good look. I shouldn't have done that. I, dude, whatever. the same thing for me. I'm like, definitely no, I'm not a sexual predator. Right. Definitely no, I've never done anything at that level. But also look back and I'm like, mm, did some things that I wouldn't want my kids to do. You know, like yeah, gonna, exactly, yeah. gonna raise my kids differently than, I mean, I my parents never really had any conversations about rules of engagement with me. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, it's like things that I'm like, mm, if uh, if this was videotaped and shown, maybe not proud of some things. Right. And um, I'm in no way worried about like getting canceled for any of that kind of stuff. But it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, what do I just say? Like, I've never done anything that I've not been proud of and like be a liar. I don't yeah, know. And I, and I know that, that, that myself and a, and a lot of my colleagues and friends and people I know that they probably look back and they go, Oh yeah, that, that wasn't great. Shouldn't have done that. Right. And, and I, and I know that we're probably, you know, I've been, and, and like you're saying, it's like, nobody's, nobody's, uh, on that level. Yeah. But it's like, it, it, it is, you wouldn't have thought about it at the time because it was just so like, this goes hand in hand with this or whatever. And I haven't been on a date for 13 years. I've been oh. married. I've been married for 13 years. Uh, not married. I've been with the same woman, my wife for 13 years. So yeah. it's like, it's a whole new landscape, dude. And I, oh, I can't know. even imagine. I, especially in LA, I'm like, I, I'm so glad <laughs> yeah. I'm not single in LA because yeah. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Oh, um, me either. But I think that like the best thing you can do. And, and I, I know myself and my colleagues feel the same way is that you just kind of, you, you know, you say that like, yeah, I'm, I apologize if I did anything in the wrong and I didn't mean it that way or absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's some, definitely some of the stuff that's coming out and you're seeing, it's like, Oh, that's horrible shit. Like, I know it's, and, 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 and for me, like, I don't, I didn't associate with those people, but I like, just like you're saying, it's like, that doesn't mean I might not have encountered them at some point. You know? Oh yeah. So yeah, it's a real, it's just, you got to check yourself, you know, continually like looking at your behavior and being like, is this, I did this. Is this what I want to continue doing? Right. And you know, I go, I go like, I've never, <laughs> I've personally never gone on Twitter and posted anything hateful yeah, or <laughs> racist or anything like yeah. that. But I still go through my, my timelines. And it's like, if I, cause I would post stuff like, Oh man, Monday night raw fucking suck this week. Right. I'll delete that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, just like I, yeah. You don't know. Like ten years from now, <laughs> you might be doing a gig for Monday Night Raw, and you're like, oh shit! And they're like, hey, we gotta let you go, man. You were talking shit. Back exactly. In yeah, yeah. What happened to James Gunn? Especially was like, oh my god. Like no. that was that was a bummer because it's like that that dude, he was just and who didn't yeah. post I know. jokes, you right. know? And I think he weathered it though, right? He's back in, he's back. And rightfully so, because yeah. the people, yes. the people that knew him for who he spoke was. Spoke to his character. Spoke to him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. We got to go. My wife's yelling at me. Uh, I love you dude so much. <laughs> um, Patrick uh, Lawrence, uh, just a, uh, an honor to have you here. I'm glad Thank that you, you made the time. Um, it's nice that you can also celebrate your birthday while you're in St. Louis. And uh, where can people find you? What, pitch some shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, uh, you know, check out my correct IMDb page. I believe it's Patrick Lawrence and it's got a two next to it, but definitely uh, check out tattoos and turnpikes on YouTube. Watch it from the start. You'll love it. And also check out bonding on Netflix. 
uh, season two will be out this fall and scare me, which will be on shutter this fall. Check those out. Hell yeah. Thanks for being here, man. Thank See you. you guys next week. Thank you.